just said that we take a snapshot of some of the most amazing teaching that's in the whole of the New Testament. It's found in Matthew 5, 6 and 7. It's what is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. One person described it as essential Christianity. And we called the message, Laws That Live, Raising the Bar. And you might say, whoa, I'm not keen about the, the law business. But we try to explain the fact that when Jesus came into this context... And his ministry began to find a public expression. There were some people that were wanting him to be a political agitator. The nation was under Roman rule. They were expecting Jesus to overturn it. Other people that were religious, that had added to the laws that God had given in the past, saw that they'd become a burden to people, weighing people down, were hoping that Jesus would come and add a few more. He did neither. He said, I've come to talk about a kingdom. Not a kingdom of this world. Not a kingdom defined by boundaries. Not a kingdom that's defined by separation of oceans and water. But when Jesus spoke about a kingdom, he was talking about the rule of Jesus in our lives. And we heard in another context this morning that to be a follower of Jesus is to allow Jesus to be at the very center of all that we do. He becomes the king, the lord, the master of our life. When we do that, we begin to live the kingdom. And Jesus begins to speak to the disciples about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to live out the kingdom. And the repetitive phrase that comes up on a number of occasions in these uh, three chapters is, you've heard say this, but I say to you. In other words, they'd heard about a particular standard and the people thought they were doing really well if they kept it, but Jesus raised the bar he lifted it way beyond that he spoke about motive he spoke about inner attitude he spoke he spoke about things that we look on and what that causes to happen in our hearts he talked about where our treasures were and so we go on and he gave all of these principles friends not to inhibit us but to release us into the perfect purposes of God for our lives So that both outwardly and inwardly, both through works and through ways, we might reflect the kingship of Jesus. That is being a follower of the Lord Jesus. And for a few moments tonight, friends, before we sing our final song and have opportunity for fellowship and teas and coffees, I'm going to take a little snapshot from one of those little teachings that Jesus gave and we've only time over these next few weeks to do exactly that not time to look through all of the uh, chapters Matthew 5 verse 38 Jesus says you've heard it said eye for an eye tooth for tooth but I tell you do not resist an evil person if someone strikes you on the right cheek turn to the other also And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow you. And Brother Gavin was talking about being stretched, being taken out of your comfort zone. The reality is that our brother and sister are only in those places of being able to pray for people because they live an inconvenient life. And I want to speak for a few moments tonight about the law, the Jesus kingdom law, not the law that knocks us down, but the law of inconvenience. So that sounds a bit strange, but I want to tell you friends, when we grab this, when we understand it, 
It absolutely takes our life forward. In fact, I, I would suggest tonight that you cannot be a devoted disciple of Jesus unless you understand the law or calling to inconvenience. But let's talk about convenience for a moment. Let's give a different definition for convenience. It's what suits us. We've got convenience foods. You put them in this little box, it goes ding. When it's finished, and you pull it out again and it's nice and steamy and you eat it. I'm not sure what the calorie intake is. I'm sure it's absolutely terrible. But anyway, it works. Convenient food. What about convenience stores? Tesco. You, sh- you shop. We drop. Got it. Okay. You don't even have to go to the shop. You can get on the email. You can sort of type in your store. And this guy comes around about half past 11 at night trying to find where you live. And knocks on the door and says, Mrs. Austin, here's your, here's your, here's your stuff from Tesco. Convenience. We've got convenient restaurants. We've got convenient mod cons. You know, all sorts of things for the car, for the home, for your hobbies. And people have this incredible desire for things that suit, for things that make everything easy. And of course, we've got convenient Christianity. But I'm not so sure it's the Christianity that Jesus was talking about. Let me just take you into your home for a moment. And uh, I want you to use your imagination. Because I'm I'm watching the TV. By the way, what do you call one of these in your house? This is an old one. I mean, now they're about this wide and this one because of that many. What do you call it? A ditch. Anybody else? A, re- oh, a remote control. Come on, you can do better than that. All right. Anybody else? A flicker. That's what we call it. It's a flicker. Guys, have you ever been in your house when your wife's watching a program and three minutes after you've changed the program, she realizes that she's not watching the program that she thought she was watching? Because... All of a sudden, she's watching 22 blokes kicking a ball around. Yeah. <laughs> it's the flicker. All right. So we're in our house. You see, because convenient Christianity means that some folks are tuning in, but they're not even turning out. Mansfield Arena Church, turn the clocks back. It's five o'clock, it's pitch dark. Footy on. No, I'm not going to church tonight, but I'll go through the channels. Hey, Sharon, look at this. There's a bloke on the telly saying that if we sow into his ministry, all our financial needs are going to be met overnight. Isn't that fantastic? I tell you what, I'll book that holiday to Lanzarote that we can't afford. That would be fantastic. Convenient Christianity. I want to say, friends, there's something good about... I'm having a joke, you know, but there's some... By the way, that chocolate's there for the kids afterwards. Because what I was, I was eating the chocolate while I was watching the telly, but I never got to it. But I was going to bring a great big bag of crisps as well, but I was going to teach you bad habits and all those things. The reality is there's something fantastic about turning out. We're it in the dark season, naturally. It's going to be dark November, December, January. And just as you get towards the end of January, you look around thinking, it's going to be lighter. But we're going to hit this dark season naturally full of the light of God. We're going to turn up. We're going to praise God. We're going to come together. We're going to hear his word. We're going to welcome guests. We're going to make people welcome. We're going to celebrate Christmas. 
God's going to be good. Why? Because we're committed to inconvenience. We're committed not only to tuning in, that's easy, but we're committed to turning out, to attending, to responding, to giving to all that God is doing in our lives. You see, think for a moment about this nine-week journey of Arena Church. And think about the things that are taking place tonight for your convenience. You had a car park attendant. His name's Robert. And he is still thawing out now. You can see it. Did you see him when he walked in? It was cold. He was out there with his jacket on, making sure folks came in. What an amazing ministry that is. In the dark. But we saw you, Robert, with that jacket on. We've got people on welcome that say, hi, great to see you. Have you been before? No, not been before. Not been to church for ages. Not sure if I'm going to lie. Well, welcome. We've got a worship band. Well, not... Andy, you did a great job. Thank you. You really... It was a one-man band. We don't believe in a one-man band normally, but he did a great job. And I tell you, I would have rocked... I mean, Andy did do a great job. And I would have much rather Andy lead us tonight than for us just to be floundering without any sense of tuning or music. We've got the ministry of the word and people wait on the ministry, prepare, think about it. We've got people that come and bring an inspiring story and testimony. We've got a nice room to meet in. I mean, it's pretty warm down here. Some of you look pretty cool at the back. But anyway, it's a reasonable room to meet in. Some nice just, We've got kids' church for your convenience. And uh, that crazy sort of furry thing walks in every week and, and takes the kids out. We've got refreshments afterwards. And our friend here tonight, here for welcome. And she's going to help us with the refreshments afterwards. We've got information on the desk. We've got Connect Group Mansfield. We've got Sound and Visual. And Anne and Neil have dealt with us on that tonight. We've got guest speakers. Isn't that fantastic? All in a few weeks. All for your convenience. Why? So that you might live the law of inconvenience. You might be so inspired to be a follower of Jesus. That you say, God, whatever the comfort zone that you want to take me out of. Whatever it costs me to be a follower of Jesus. Whatever my mates think at school or at work. Whatever people think about me saying I'm a Christian. I am going to follow you. You see, if I can take you back to the couch for a moment. It's a couch. It's a, you know, yeah, I'm going to get me chocolate. Yeah. You see, lots of people nowadays are de- described as, and I'm really not going to eat this chocolate, it's for the kids afterwards, but lots of people nowadays are described as couch potatoes, aren't they? They spend a lot of time on the couch. Now, physically, friends, that's not good for you. Uh, to, to be 24-7 on the couch, it's good to have couch time, it's good to relax, it's good to kick your shoes off and watch the telly or whatever you want to do, read, that's all good. But not all of the time. And it's the same in our spiritual life. God's not called us spiritually to live on the couch all the time. There's a guy on Match of the Day on a Saturday night. His name's Alan Hansen. He's a Scotsman. Margaret, you're going to have to just bear with me for a moment. All right. He's a Scotsman. Because it's Alan Hansen I'm trying to take off, not you. All right, okay. But Alan Hansen was a very, very good footballer. He was capped about 26 times for Scotland. He played over 600 games for Liverpool, when Liverpool used to be a good team. Believe, now that, Ken, now believe me, they did used to be a good team once. Really, you know. And uh, Ken's looking at me, not very happy. 
I can say it tonight because Christian's not here. You know, I'm getting all the Liverpool jokes in while he's away. Alan Hansen's never managed a football club. He's never been a coach. But he's got this fantastic job where he sits on the couch every Saturday. He watches games. And then he makes his comments. And if it's four all, he's really miserable. You know, everybody else is saying, what a fantastic game that was. Eight goals. But he's always moaning about how the defence is. And here's, here's an Alan Hansen in the life of the church. It goes something like this. He says, aye, the worship was okay, but that preacher is shocking. That's Alan Hansen, you see. See, you were all right. <laughs> and Margaret, I know it wasn't a very good Scots accent, but I had a, I had a go, you know. <laughs> and that's where we can be sometimes, on the couch, observing everybody else. But Jesus, he's saying something to us. You've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, don't resist that evil person. And friends, I'm using a little bit of humor, but there's a serious side to this. It's a passionate call in these pioneer weeks of this church that we'd have a group of people emerge as the community of believers here that would understand sometimes that Jesus is going to take us out of our comfort zone. He's going to place us at times in places where we're literally gulping. God, if you don't come through in this situation... We're going to look really, really stupid. Somebody said to me this morning, who's leading a meeting in another context tonight, I'm really worried about tonight. I said, why? He says, well, what if anybody doesn't come? I said, I've been spending the last 30 years of my life answering that question every Sunday. The reality is, friends, we get ministry ready, we prepare services, but nobody might come. And here I am on my own tonight looking incredibly stupid, preaching to a lot of empty chairs, and nobody has come. Well, Sharon probably would come with me, you know, but nobody else. And we've literally been nearly two on our own on occasions. And um, he's on to the second cop. There we go. Yeah. yeah, bless him. If you go and sit down, you can have the chocolate afterwards. All right. But here's where we're at with it, you see, because that's going to happen at times. It really is going to happen that sometimes we're going to feel God... What are you doing with this? God, you're asking us to go down this situation, move into that issue, pray for that person. I don't feel able to do it. And God's saying, go with me. Go beyond your comfort. Go beyond what's convenient for you and see what I will do. Let me just give you very briefly those three illustrations that Jesus gives here that illustrate inconvenience. Firstly, turning the other cheek. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It was known in the, New, in the Old Testament as what was tit for tat. It's in our language. Tit for tat. He hit me. I'm going to belt him. Tit for tat. And there was a sense, friends, where there was some wisdom in what God was teaching in the economy of the Old Testament community. It was seeking to limit vengeance. But Jesus says something else. He raises the bar. He says, I don't want you to even go there. He says, I don't want you to be vindictive in your retaliation. Now, I'm not going to open this up tonight into how would I respond if my wife came under attack, if my house... I'm not just catching the spirit of it. 
Because God will help us in those particular situations. The spirit of it is, friends, that we don't walk around with an attitude that is vindictive in wanting always to get our own back. And that can be incredibly inconvenient. Let me give you a story about two boys. They were playing cricket one day. And, uh, and by the way, Gavin, we're going to keep those ashes as we come over to it during your summer. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> One of the boys accidentally hits the other boy with the cricket bat. And as he goes home, he tells his mum all about it, and she's bathing his sore head. And she says, as a good Christian mum, as he was just about to go to bed, Harry, before you go to sleep tonight, you need to forgive John for what he did today. Harry says, okay, but when I get up in the morning, he better watch out. (laughs) And some of us are okay going to bed, saying we'll leave it, and then the following morning, we want to take it back. We want to deal with that situation. We want to sort it out in our own strength. We want to get stuck into that. And God's saying here, there are times, friends, when you just need to leave it to him. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Then what about the tunic and the cloak? Well, in that Eastern culture, most people, even the poorest, would have an inner garment, the tunic. But not everybody would have a cloak. And here's how it worked in their culture. Sometimes Gavin didn't have a cloak. I would lend my cloak to him On the understanding that by nightfall, he let me have that cloak back because it also acted as a blanket. And it was disrespectful for him to have use of that cloak and yet leave me cold at night. That was how it worked. But what did Jesus say? (laughs) He says, not only give the poor man the, 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 the tunic, but let him have your cloak as well. In other words, the inconvenience of being generously committed to the needs of others. I don't want to repeat another message, but this morning we heard our brother Gavin share about how a very financially challenged student in one of the recent schools that he held took the step inconveniently to buy two bananas for Sister, Gavin and, uh, for Sister Glenda and brother Gavin. You might say two bananas, but in the context it was a very expensive inconvenient step to make but he saw the principle of blessing somebody else of giving away to somebody else not only give him the cloak and the tunic but give him the cloak as well Jeff Pickett was in this church a few weeks ago some of you may know his son Stephen he's a scaffolder he's the most unlikely scaffolder you've seen ever Because normally scaffolders are about seven foot six tall and about 30 foot wide, you know. And, you you know, you think, you never have an argument with these guys. But Stephen's a very, very slight guy. He's about five, six. He weighs about 10 stone wet through. And he goes up these huge scaffolds and makes a lot of money doing it. And he went to Africa. Forget the nation he went to, but he went to Africa. And uh, Jeff's wife, Jean, met him at Heathrow Airport. And he came through the customs and he had nothing. And Jean says, Stephen, we better just wait for the carousel for your case. He says, I've not got a case. Well, what about your clothes? I've not got any clothes. Well, what about your shoes? I've not got any shoes. He says, Mum, I was so touched by the needs that were out there 
that I've left everything, including the suitcase. He gave everything. The cloak, the tunic, it was incredibly inconvenient. He got to buy a whole new set of clothes. But somehow God touched his heart and he pressed through into something of what God wanted him to do. By the way, I don't know whether any of you fly a bit, but you know that jolly carousel really doesn't like me because why is it that my case is always the last one that comes out? You know, and I race down to the carousel. I'm normally first or second there, and there's other folks just wandering in. Yep, see you. They're off. And it happened again, and Gavin saw my nervousness when, when, it, when it happened. So Stephen arrives back at Heathrow, literally with his passport in his pocket, saying, let's go home. And it may be, friends, and it doesn't have to be huge amounts of money. We're not talking about huge amounts of money. But God speaking to your heart. God impressing something upon you to bless another Christian, another neighbor, somebody that lives in your community, somebody that comes through the charity shop, somebody that you come across in life. And God just says something about sowing into them. Not only, not only the inner garments, but the cloak as well, with no return, with no saying, I need it back tonight, but just releasing to them the generous heart of God. It can be inconvenient, but God will bless us amazingly. And thirdly, the extra mile. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. And this extra mile response initially developed in the Persian culture and the Romans got hold of it and the reality was that Andy could be walking along and all of a sudden he'd be commandeered by a Roman officer to say I want you to carry this for the next mile he'd have no say in it he'd have to immediately obey orders and carry whatever they'd required him to do for the next mile Jesus says I'm raising the bar because if somebody asks you to go one mile how about going two in other words Going beyond the minimum to do something more for the Lord. Here's what somebody said about the extra mile Christian. The extra mile Christian cares more than others think wise. The extra mile Christian risks more than others think safe. The extra mile Christian dreams more than others think practical. The extra mile Christian believes more than others think possible. And the person that went, who wrote those words went on to say, and there doesn't seem to be much of a traffic jam on the extra mile road. But brothers and sisters, young and old, being Christians just a little time, or believers for many years, part of the heart of God, part of the challenge that lies before us, in the days ahead, to share the good news of Jesus, to bring people to faith, to bring them to a warm place of community and welcome, to see them grow in Jesus, is there are times when we're going to go not only the mile, but the extra mile. And God will bless us. Let me give you three responses as we bring our message to a conclusion this evening. Phil, how do I implement this in my life? Well, number one, by responding graciously or gently. We heard yesterday that meekness is strength under control. It's literally God pulling on the reins of our lives. And sometimes you might want to wring somebody's neck. And God's saying, let me sort it out. 
Secondly, we release freely. You see, what sort of outer garment are we hanging on to? Are we hang, hanging on to the outer garment of our time? Oh, not give me are we hanging on to the outer garment of our finance? Oh, are we hanging on to the outer garment of family? What, what is it that we hang on to that we find difficult to give away? Jesus says, freely you have received, freely give. And thirdly, that we react sacrificially. Arena Church Mansfield, let's ask by God's grace that he would build a culture into our church here, a second mile Christianity. That as we grow, go forward together and grow in the faith, all across this room there'll be people serving. It won't be Robert in the car park every week because other people say, Robert, that's my job next week. I'm going to go the extra mile into that dark, dank atmosphere. I'm going to make sure everybody's okay in the car park. People helping, people responding, people blessing. You know, when we carry that heart, I believe that God will bless us. Christine left some books on the table a couple of weeks ago written by Charlotte Scanlon Gamble that were entitled Consumers or Consumed. Convenience. Everything at our disposal. Everything at a push button. Everything just fitting in with what we want. But Jesus says, ah, actually the kingdom works a bit different to that. Maybe a shock to the system. But the kingdom works best when people don't have a harsh retaliatory spirit the kingdom works best when we not only give the tunic but the cloak the kingdom works best when we not only go one mile but we go two you've heard very very briefly from our dear friends from australia tonight just a snapshot of their world let me tell you friends it's a world of inconvenience it's a world of different beds it's a world of transport modes. It's a world of roads. I use that word very, very loosely. It's a word, world of strange foods. It's a world of language barriers. It's a world where there's so many things in front, and yet the law of inconvenience works out day after day after day. In a gentle spirit, in a heart that gives away tunic and cloak. And in a situation, an attitude that never counts the cost. But is always ready to go two miles instead of one. It's not only in them, but it's in people all around this room. And it may be Christian brother or sister that you're just seeking to get your journey back on track with God. Maybe you've let some of these things slide. Maybe it's become about you. Maybe you've been tempted to tune in rather than turn out. But you said, you know what? God's doing something in my heart. God's speaking to my life. And I want to be part of a culture. I want to be part of a community of believers that say, yeah, there's going to be occasions where to follow Jesus and to see the kingdom built is going to be out of the comfort zone. It's going to make us gulp. It's going to be inconvenient. But God comes close to people in churches, just like that. Let's pray.